It's in the danger zone. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Ooh, sorry. No, sorry. We're sorry, we're laughing. It's just that was bad timing. So, hello, everyone, and welcome uh, to episode 71 of the BIHA podcast. Uh, Nick, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Rambo. Yourself? I'm not too bad. Um, how do you feel not having um, a weekend of hockey um, commentating and eating steak pie with potatoes in it ahead of you? Um, mixed feelings, different things that you talked about. Um, not having the hockey and the good company, pretty sad about that. Um, missing out on the meat and very lumpy potato pie, not so unhappy about missing that. But um, yeah, you know what, Rambo? I think we all talked, touched on it. It was it was great to have nationals back and everything that comes with it. Yeah, yeah. Despite um, all the uh, trials and tribulations in there. And hard work that goes into it, it was worth it to see people back on ice and enjoying themselves. So um, I guess there's that. Um, so, uh, Nick, we've just had tier one in the in the rearview mirror. Um, and uh, and we've had the, you know, the other tiers as well. Um, they've all been renamed, so I'm getting confused here. Tier one non-checking, tier two non-checking, tier three non-checking and women's. Um, and it wasn't really tier one, it was just checking nationals. How did you feel the new format went? Uh, I'm hoping that we're going to get universal approval from everybody else, but I thought it was great. It gave meaning to every game. Like, how often have we seen... Like, I know on the last weekend, it's always a little bit closer anyway, but a lot of the games seemed pretty close in terms of a couple of goals in it. But you, it kept every team honest. You had to turn up for every game and put everything in because even if you were a team that weren't having the best of times, goal difference makes a big difference between being seeded 10th 11th, 12th, and that makes a big difference in terms of what you're looking at and who you're going to play. And there was no, it gave it gave chance to see some heroic moments. Like I know it might not be Manchester's favourite thing, but seeing the 13th seed who'd not really done anything all weekend knock out the um, so what would have been 12, 11, knock out the 10th seed. Hey, that was pretty good to see. Like we would have never had that before. That team would have gone home. So it gave some great opportunities for people to make some memories and play some games that matter and play some knockout tournament hockey, which is what it's all about. Yeah, what I think it was good about was that it didn't lead to any teams laying down um, at the end of it, where you've maybe, if you're the team that could be first or second seed, you get a team that's went out in the lash, which is fine if teams want to go and enjoy themselves. But what we mean is it turned up with like, four or five bodies missing and just been awful um, and just been there to basically make up the numbers and other teams not had to try very hard. Um, so um, that, that, well, that, that's nice that you enjoyed the new format and everyone we spoke to seemed to enjoy it though. Dave and I did wonder if it was recency bias because it's always the people who were in it at the end um, that you speak to about these things when the work is done. 
Um, no, from, from the people that I've spoke to who didn't necessarily make it to the end of the days and stuff like that, I think I'm hoping that the feedback will come in. And I think we should find some way of getting that, but I'm pretty sure everybody enjoyed their weekends in terms of uh, everybody got something to play for. Yeah. Um, and then just before we get on to what some of the interviews we've got lined up, um, I think just um, from a personal point of view, I think, you know, I was a bit worried that when it got to check-in, the, uh, the, the sort of the Vaz tournament, the, the, the second tier tournament would turn into a bit of a, a kind of the way it used to be where there was stupidity all around when they used to have all these placement games in ninth and 10th and stuff. But I think keeping that bit of silverware as a prize for people really made those games count to the players in them as well. Is that what you got from your Kings team? Because I certainly got it from the Eagles. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, no one goes into that weekend saying, hey, we need to finish fifth in our group and get in the in the vast tournament. But at the end of the day, your impression was probably slightly different from ours in terms of Edinburgh as a established Div 1 unit might not necessarily be at full strength and full capacity by any means for, for various reasons, but you you got something to play for and you're playing against these other Div 1 teams and Div 2 teams. You want to try and get in that top tournament to, to see where you can get to. Whereas for us, it was a chance to introduce ourselves and some of our new guys to, to Div 1 teams and what it's all about and, and realise what we're up against and who we're playing against. But hey, if we it equally... As much as I enjoyed getting to the final and losing to yourself, I would have considered coming in seventh place and getting to a quarterfinal of the higher tournament equally as bigger achievement. And it's it's about about items like that in terms of I don't think there was any teams that wanted to necessarily be in the Vars tournament in any of the weekends, but kind of took that attitude of like, hey, right, okay, so if we're gonna get given a load of lemons, let's just make a load of lemonade. Like, let's just go. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, well, we, you and I have always been privileged enough to sort of have a, a bit of a hand in picking the all-star teams um, for the various weekends. And um, I think I ran them by you on Monday morning, perhaps, um, for, the, for, for Tier 1, uh, so we could get them out and get this, get sort of what we were doing with the podcast set up. Um, so I've got three interviews lined up. We've got Jimmy Lockemar from, uh, from St Andrews. I've got Jeff Fasega from Oxford Blues and Michael Dupree um, from the London Dragons. Now, neither of our teams played the London Dragons, Nick, but um, certainly uh, I um, was awoken to Jeff Fasega um, first thing on, on Saturday morning, having never seen the guy play before um, as the Eagles took on Oxford. Um, what a, what an all-round, well-rounded player he was. Um, what, what did you think, make of him? Oh, he was, he was again, he's so... Off the scouting report, obviously it's hard to see what some of the teams got and, and have a look around, but instantly kind of stuck out. And then I can remember in the third game we played, obviously playing against him, he just tore us to shreds. But then as the weekend goes on and you you watch his play and you watch him arguably with the greatest respect to, to the rest of the Kings players, play against better players, and how he handled himself and how he, he dealt with situations. We saw him play forward. We saw him play D. We saw him transition between the two. The guy was an absolute beast and an absolute unit. And um, yeah, sort of guy who you dream, I'm sure you'd agree as a coach, that you'd love to have a player like that to build your build your team around. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, well, um, we'll get to his interview uh, now and, and so people can hear a bit more from him uh, about how he got his playing style. Hello, everyone. Um, and I'm joined here by uh, Jeff Fasega. Now, did I get that right this time? Yeah, spot on. <laughs> um, Jeff, of course, one of the uh, one of the, the stars of Tier 1 Nationals um, and the stars of the Oxford Blues. Um, Jeff, can you maybe tell people how you uh, how you got into hockey? Yeah, definitely. Give a little background. Um, so I was born in Nigeria, um, moved to Calgary in Western Canada when I was pretty young. And uh, there I went to a hockey game, watched the Calgary Flames play. And there's a, the captain of the team at the time was this guy called Jerome Ginla. It's also half Nigerian. Also, ironically, also from the same part of Nigeria that my family's from. Um, so I went to a game, was watching this guy play, and I was super inspired. He had a Gordie Howe hat trick that game. So he scored a goal, got in a fight, and he got an assist. Um, that really, like, as soon as I watched that game, I decided, I'm like, hey, that's what I want to be. Um, I was wearing number 12, like Jerome McGinley back in the day. Um, I ended up playing right wing, like Jerome McGinley. Um, and yeah, that's really like my first introduction to hockey. And uh, that got me, led me down this path. And then, and then you obviously, when you first crossed our path was a uh, tier one nationals. Um, how, how did you become a member of the Oxford Blues? Yeah, so I, I started playing hockey in Calgary. Um, started getting pretty serious with it. Like moved away from home when I was 15 um, to start playing like uh, juniors and pursue that career. Ended up getting drafted. Um, I, I went second overall to the North American Hockey League, played a couple of years out there. Um, had a shoulder injury that ended my career. Um, that took me to University of Toronto, um, where I was going to take a year off rehab and, and, and play for the team there. Ended up finding other passions, really focusing on school, and uh, I thought I was done playing hockey um, at that point. Uh, then I was fortunate. I ended up winning the Rhodes Scholarship, and that brought me out to the UK. Um, and then when I was here, heard about the, the hockey team they had, uh, flew my gear out when I was at Oxford. And uh, fortunately, they had me on the team and I had a chance to really fall in love with the sport again and, and start playing hockey again. Great, great. Well, I'm glad the, the BIJ could kind of do that for you. Well, obviously, Oxford could do that for you. But um, so um, you've uh, you've had your first taste of um, of varsity and your first taste of of nationals. Um, how did you find those experiences? Yeah, awesome. I mean, I think when when I first got to Oxford, and I was hearing, I guess, about the history between Oxford and Cambridge, um, reading up about it online, seeing a lot of the famous Canadians that, that played in in this game. It was like uh, really cool, really special opportunity to play in. Um, I think going out to Cambridge, seeing their fans there, having all our fans there, seeing the support online. Um, it's a really special rivalry. Um, nothing like that. And it's been like a really, really cool experience. Um, even fast forward going to to Nationals. Thankfully, we were able to get Cambridge. We were, we were able to beat them in Nationals. So that was nice. <laughs> but um, I, I think it's like that That rivalry is, there's, I, I, there's nothing like it really. Um, and it's been a really cool experience being a part of it. Yeah, yeah, excellent, and uh, and of course, uh, I think I think Cambridge won the varsity, but you got some degree of payback with that that shootout win. Is that is that right? Have I got that the right way around? Yeah, I mean, I I guess it was it was two one on the season, but who's who's keeping count? <laughs> um, and then um, so I mean, Nick and I, you first of all, you first caught my eye because I was I was coaching the the, the Edinburgh team um, in the morning, and uh, I certainly hadn't scouted for for a player like say yourself. But um, I, I take it you, you draw a lot of inspiration from the way Aginla played as well. With it, you've got a sort of physicality to your game, but also a bit of finesse as well. Yeah, definitely. Like Aginla is like the 
well-rounded player, um, really physical player, uh, skilled player. Um, I tried to emulate my game after him. Interestingly, I'm, I'm actually a defenseman. So I, I started my career as a right winger when I was playing like novice and, and Adam. But when I was in Bantam, um, so about 13, I switched and started playing D. My whole junior career, I was playing uh, defense. Um, and I just switched back to forward. And I've been, uh, I guess, trying to channel that inner Jeremy Gindler in my play. Right, right. And because uh, I noticed um, when you guys played St. Andrews in the semi-final, you, you, you were playing D as opposed to forward. And I did, I did wonder if that was a, a sort of um, a tactical decision to account for some of the, you know, their speed game and, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, St. Andrews had some, some quick guys. And like, uh, just happy to step in wherever, wherever is possible, wherever we can help out. Um, and I think we have like our team really deep. We have a lot of talented guys who put up a lot of, put up a lot of points, put up a lot of goals. Like you got Henry Middlebrook, Henry Ryu up front, um, George Fox out there. Um, and we have Eli back. So I'm happy to like, we float between forward, between D and see what we can do, try and get those wins. Yeah. Yeah. And now you, you mentioned you played a, a bit of junior, um, where, where does uh, where does Eli fit into the sort of the the goalies you've played? Because he really stood out for us as 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 the goalie of the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Eli's been great. Like stood on his head several times this season. There's been so many so many games that he's stolen for us. Um, so it's been it's been incredible getting to play with a with a player like that, and it's been really cool. I think um, the way that we've grown as a team um, from Eli out. Everybody really gets confidence knowing that you have Eli back there to to stop stop everything. Cool. And then in in Oxford, of course, you mentioned the history of Oxford, but there's a, there's a lot of sort of uh, guys that have been around a while that are in the Vikings now, such as uh, as we call them uh, affectionately, Old Man McGlynn and uh, Tim Donington and um, and Verboom. Uh, do those guys have a, an influence on the Blues as well, or or is it all quite separate? No, absolutely. Yeah. So like the Oxford University Ice Hockey Club. Um, people are close across like all the different teams we have. Um, and especially those guys, old man McClinn, that's funny. But yeah, Kev, uh, Tim, like uh, yeah, all, all of those guys, Eric, Budgel, um, yeah, Matt Downer, of course, you know, um, all those guys are like super influential and like um, bringing me out, like giving me the chance to play on the team. Um, it's been great getting to know them as well. Don't kill it, man. Guess uh, you, you've been over here now for almost a year. What, what's the what's the biggest thing you miss from from back home in Calgary? I think for me, the biggest thing I miss, other other than my family and my friends back home, I guess, is definitely the sun. Like Calgary is the Calgary is the sunniest city in North or in Canada for sure. One of the sunniest in North America, which a lot of people might not realize. And so for me, it's like. The rain and the cloudiness has definitely been an adjustment, but uh, that's probably the, the, the biggest thing I'm missing. <laughs> um, well, being from Scotland, we miss the sun all year round, so uh, it's, not, <laughs> it's, it's I guess that's I, I can understand that. And um, yeah, I, and um, I, I, I sorry, I was going to say um, you've obviously uh, been around a bit. Who's the who's the best player you've played with, and, and why? Uh, the best player I've played with, um, I played with a, I played with a lot of really, a lot of really, really great players. I think maybe the best player I played against, I would say, is like um, Kale McCarr. Um, I remember playing against him when he's a year younger than I am in Calgary. Played against him in Bantam, and I played against him again at the end of my career, like in Alberta Junior Hockey League. He's playing at Brooks. I was in Drumheller at that point, and I think seeing the way that um, 
Kale developed over those years and like really leaned into it and seeing what he's doing now in the NHL. It's been really inspiring journey. And I think for a lot of players where it's like, sometimes you're not the most gifted when you're in Bantam. Um, but that doesn't mean like, it's like who, who, who works the hardest and they will see what you do down the line. So that's been really inspiring for me to watch and, and probably one of the best players uh, that jumps to my eye right now. Cool. Cool. Um, I know uh, you, you obviously are quite a decorated hockey player, but um, how does, how does making the, uh, the BIG uh, team of the weekend uh, rank in terms of your achievements um, so far? No, it's definitely uh, it's definitely quite the achievement. I never uh, this is my first time in the UK, and I I never would have thought I'd been playing ice hockey in the UK. So this is definitely a really cool opportunity, and definitely grateful for it. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, well, um, I'm not sure. Um, I don't want to keep you too long because I know you you're a busy a busy man this evening, but um. What we like to normally do is uh, is to ask if there's anyone you want to give a big shout out to, um, but um, yeah. So who who would you like to give a, a big shout out to um, on the pod, and then that way you can kind of make them listen, so it improves our listener numbers. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll give a shout out to my to my parents. My parents have been uh, um, like huge supporters, number one fan, of course, always. Um, they're watching on the weekend, they're sending me different clips and stuff. So I'd say, hey, mom, hey, dad. Great, great, and I hope uh, I hope they caught us um, praising you on the commentary because um, there was plenty of that going around. I think for your for your play during the weekend, <laughs> definitely they they loved the uh, like the that you made Jeff a verb. That was uh, that was funny. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been great to have you on. Um, this is the first time we've ever tried to do this where we get the whole first line. Uh, forwards of the all-star team and then I think in the summer we're going to try and get some some of the other all-star players from across the the different tournaments uh, but thanks for being the first one to take take time out your day to, to give us a give us an interview for sure thanks for having me Rambo so uh, Jeff the Sega there um, you may uh, not know this Nick but I did ask him in advance how to say his name phonetically um, before I introduced him um, to the recording <laughs> I, I was going to say, did he did he pick up on the fact that he was just referred to as Jeff for the entire weekend? Yeah, he did, he certainly did, um, and uh, he quite liked the fact that Jeff became a verb as well um, during the weekend as well. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, great guy, and um, as I say, um, I think it is no secret that if he's around for a little while, then he could be one of the ones wearing that C for Oxford in the future. Um, but um, before we move on to, to the next interview, uh, Nick, let's talk about some, um, particularly from Tier 1 while it's fresh, but um, any other moments. Um, didn't quite make the All-Star team, but for me and you, I think the, um, the Andrew Rafter goal was the goal of the, the Tier 1 weekend. Um, do, do you remember that goal? Yeah, hands down. Like, if I remember correctly, that was a pretty tight game. Wasn't necessarily going anywhere apart from one direction, which was me going down the stairs and flipping the coin. Um, but, yeah, just out of nowhere. Did he pick up the puck behind his own net? Does he even go from that far? But yeah, far, eh? just one of those kind of magical moments where we see it throughout the weekends. How many times do you see someone through all the weekends? You see it in the lower-end weekends, but obviously you take it with a little pinch of salt in terms of you get some players who've got some ability playing against players who don't have that much ability. And, and it but then you realise that Rafter made that play against pretty established good players and, and kind of absolutely threw just a magical moment in terms of, I think, 
one of the more complete goals that we've ever seen in that building when we've been doing it. I think we can all remember watching some of the ones down the years. And like, I can certainly remember, um, what was the, what was the boy for Cambridge, um, played ECHL or something like that, or NCAA? Oh, man, I know who you're talking about too. Was it Crocious? Crocious, yeah. Yeah. I can remember him scoring one goal where he went down one wing and like literally it was like with his off hand or something like nearly pretty much one handed and sniped it across across the keeper's body into the top corner. And I can remember thinking it's probably one of the best goals I've ever seen in that building. But Rafters is certainly in that collection that it's something that I think even even both of us next year will be able to sit down and go, hey, remember, you remember that goal kind of thing. And um, it was a nice moment in terms of uh, there's a lot of the times that we, we have fun and we have comedy and, and the rest of it. And some of the games aren't always as entertaining as others. And it's sometimes difficult to be on for 14 hours, 15 hours, 16 hours. But moments like that get you out of your seat in terms of as, as purebred hockey people. I think we were both over the moon with that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that goal uh, made it one all um, for, for Sheffield too. At one point, it looked like they were... They didn't. They weren't getting a lot of scoring chances. He played in one game only, which is one of the reasons he didn't. I suppose didn't make the All Star team in the end because if he had played like that in every game, he would have definitely been there. Um, so we'll, we'll move on from that and go on to um, perhaps uh, one of the uh, the more well kent faces in the the, the, the Nationals, um, the big man from London, uh, the father of dragons, if you will, uh, Michael Dupree. Um, now I have never had this pleasure of playing against this guy, Nick, but I think you might have got, got, the, got a bit of his career and had to play against him. Yeah, uh, I do vaguely remember playing against the, the man, the myth, the man mountain. Um, yeah, I, it does ring a bell. I might have come across him, but yeah, he is quite the, uh, quite the boy. Yeah. Um, sort of, um, Sort of a little bit more casual in his style, but just uh, just got that just the ability to be a, a unit when needed, and got an absolute ripper of a wrist shot. And um, so uh, I I managed to talk to him. I, I couldn't keep him to the sort of a allotted fifteen minutes. It went a little bit over, um, but he was t- giving us an update on on various things. So um, let's uh, let's listen to what he was he was all about just now. So a big BIHA pod. Welcome to Michael Dupree of the London Dragons. How are you doing, Michael? Yeah, not too bad. A little bit sore after this weekend, uh, but still alive somehow. <coughs> and um, yeah, well, I'm not surprised that a lot of hockey being played at the weekend. What did you make of the uh, the new format of so- as someone who's been there before? Yeah, it's, it's uh, pretty good. I think uh, it definitely helped us out a little bit having the shorter games at the start. Uh, not having any practices kind of hurt our team a bit, but um, having those shorter games, uh, I think, gave us a little bit of a, a fighting edge in the first day uh, and let us uh, gel a little bit better than than otherwise. But overall, I think it was a pretty fantastic weekend. It seemed to go off without a hitch. Great, great. Well, I'm, I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that. Although, um, as Dave says, it might be recency bias because we always end up meeting the winners at the end rather than the people who got put out early. So, um, yeah. Anyway, before we before we get into a bit more about nationals and the, and the dragons and things, um, t- tell me how you got started in hockey. Uh, according to my parents, uh, they had me on the ice at the age of I don't know one or two, um, but uh, I started playing hockey in uh, Philadelphia, 
for the uh, the uh, Colonials, I think it was that was the team. Uh, and I've basically just been playing all my life. We ended up moving up to uh, upstate New York uh, and played uh, ice hockey up there just for the the public school. But uh, our town where I played was was uh, named Hockeyville, USA, uh, by the NHL. Uh, I don't know, 2016 or 2017. Um, so my my old rink got a nice little renovation there, and um, uh, you know, kind of pushed home the 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 kind of hockey tradition that we had had there. But yeah, I've always I've always played hockey. Played up through undergrad as well. Just just um, D three club really. We didn't even have a a real D three team. Uh, and then coming over here to the UK, I wanted to keep playing hockey because after undergrad in the US, there isn't really the same competitive checking hockey that you have. Uh, so I was pretty eager to get into the BYHA and. I don't know. This is what my sixth sixth year, I think, in the in the league, and hoping to stick around for for a few more years. Excellent, excellent. And um, obviously, the the dragons known for a lot of their their big characters and and, and things like that. And uh, um, how, how did you feel when you first you first joined? It's a, it's a bit different from the USA. So uh, how how did you uh, get on with some of the the big characters, such as you know, as your Callies and and what have you? Yeah, I think uh, I think I fit in uh, pretty well pretty early. Um, I got uh, I got my nickname playing against um, UCL, uh, you know, trash talking some of their players. It's nothing I can say. It's nothing I can say in uh, polite company. But um, yeah, I think uh, I fit in pretty well because we're kind of a rowdy bunch. Um, but it, it definitely it definitely was a, a bit of a change, you know, coming to Lee Valley and seeing that nightmare of a rink for the first time um, is, uh, is a little bit <laughs> confusing, uh, but uh, it, you know, it's turned out pretty well and it's good to have, we, we still got a lot of the guys involved in a lot of stuff, Kale and Clive and uh, some of the old timers are, are still around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always laugh when I hear um, the, the Southern players say that Lee Valley is a nightmare um, and they clearly have never been to Bradford or Whitley Bay. Um, but, but I'm sure you can experience that one day um, before you before you before you uh, leave the UK if you're leaving the UK that is. Um, but um, yeah, so um, you you start you said you started with the Dragons about six years ago, and and now I think the Dragons have always been a big club uh, with several teams at nationals, but but this year you just had the one team in nationals, and I think. It, there's been some challenges for a lot of clubs. Can you just talk us through the challenges the Dragons have faced since since sort of COVID? Yeah, I mean th this year just was a or, well the last couple of years um, it's kind of a blur now, but uh, it, it's just been a, a a series of perfectly aligned unfortunate events. Uh, one uh, for some reason um, there were some issues with the University of London with governance and. And you know who who do we talk to when you know someone gets injured and they they had set up a whole kind of committee to to figure out some some of these issues and then when COVID hit uh, they decided to use that as an excuse to just kind of get rid of all of that uh, headache for themselves um, and kind of take a few steps forward on a, a something like a decade-long strategic plan to get rid of all of their physical 
um, presence in London. So they decided to just get rid of all student societies and clubs and sports along with all of their buildings. Um, so our student union where we stored all of our equipment was sold. Um, they told us that we had to you know, do an inventory and, and get rid of all of our equipment. And we had to you know, suddenly come, come up with all of these things, uh, explain why we, we should stick around and how important we are to, to London ice hockey and to the sport and um, how we're a you know, national leader in ice hockey. Uh, and um, we finally got to a point where we, we um, convinced them along with their, uh, the, we had the associate provost on our side uh, we convinced them to, to at least let us either transfer out to other universities or set up our own trusts. Um, so with the help of, of uh, our alumni Clive, um, we've been putting together uh, trusts, not only for, for our club, but for the other, I think there are 12 other clubs and societies at University of London that were helping set up trusts um, so that they can continue on now that the University of London doesn't have any other student societies. Um, so it's been a it's been a tough couple of years. Um, we've lost all of our funding. Um, so I've I've basically been uh, <clears throat> covering most of the fees, but uh, we've we've been doing pretty well to keep things afloat. But we've unfortunately not been able to keep our our B and C teams around uh, in the same numbers that we had before. Which is really frustrating because um, we were just about to add a fourth team uh, to have a, a tier two checking and then a, a non-checking team as well. Um, but yeah, COVID and everything just caused that to go downhill. So we're hoping that once our trust is set up, we can start fundraising and, and get things back on the on the right track. Yeah, yeah, and, and you um, you were really close. I think um, just before before COVID to having a women's team in nationals as well. And that's, I guess the sirens now have, have come in and sort of bridged that gap a little bit with, with some options for London players and Birmingham players and things to play women's hockey in the women's nationals. But um, it, it sounds, it did sound like you had a quite a tough time of it. What, what's the news on Lee Valley if there is any? Yeah. Oh, I forgot about Lee Valley. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they um, they as well. They they were supposed to keep Lee Valley open uh, through the reconstruction or the the renovation of the the new rink. Um, but when COVID happened, they decided that no one was going to go to the rink, so they demolished the the one pad that we had um, instead of keeping that open while building the second rink and then demolishing it and continuing on. But I spoke to them. Uh, last month and they said that it should be open in October uh, and when you drive by it it doesn't look like it'll be ready by October uh, but I'm uh, I'm you know knocking on wood but hoping that it's it's done so we can we can get the next season off uh, start the next season off with a, a, a bang hopefully well well I hope so as I mean the, the BHA is not the same without without a strong London Dragons club in it and uh and uh, you know they're a club that's been there for for many years, um, and now sporting. I would say your smartest jerseys that you've ever had as well. Um, who designed those? Oh, that was that was me. That was me and uh, Sam actually. Sam Stadney. Um We spent a long time trying to figure out the the right jerseys and working with uh, Athletic Knit over in Canada to to get just the right jerseys. 
Uh, and it's it's good to hear you say that because we, we got a lot of backlash when we first did it. A lot of people really like our old jerseys, but I thought we needed something a little updated and a little uh, a little classier, I think. You see, what I like about them is they're kind of like, um, I don't know, a retake on a classic where they're, um, they're, you know, back to the days of no names on the back, um, which made it harder for us, um, I'll admit. It was only the players that I knew. Um, that I could really, really uh, call the names of for the first, the first way well, um, but um, I just thought they were. I thought the black ones were my favourite, to be honest. But they were just like that. They were sort of simplistic, but also just really sharp and, and really stood out. So, um, well done to you and uh, you and Sam um, for 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 doing that because I think I think they're really smart. So um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was Sam's idea was to to, to do the very classic, uh, just kind of the, the name, uh, you know, London or just the dragons. Uh, but we wanted to keep our logo in there as well. So, uh, you know, we had, that's what we ended up going with. And the, we, we don't have any names because uh, we always end up getting our, our jersey orders too late because uh, the names had way too many, uh, way too much time onto the jersey order. Um, so we're just trying to bulk order jerseys so we can have them at the start of the season instead of, you know, sometime in January or February. Yeah, see, I thought that was a deliberate thing to sort of make them look even more retro, but um, there you go. Well, I'll, I'll tell people that from now on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, if you wanted to go, I don't know if you know this, uh, but if you wanted to be proper uh, retro, you do realise that the London Dragons used to be the London Purples, right? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, I think there are too many, you know, blues and other colors just floating about. You know, you can't. I don't know. I think the dragons are uh, are a real solid choice. But if we if we had the if we had the time and the funding, we we wanted to do a whole bunch of uh, alternate jerseys and uh, different mock-ups. And Sam's pretty artsy, so he's got a, a whole bunch of uh, logos that he wants to put on things that at some point we'll we'll eventually do. But They'll be down, down, down the line a little bit. Brilliant, brilliant. And then, so you guys, you guys came to to nationals, and I'm being honest, I think I ranked you ninth because um, I didn't know anything about you. You hadn't played, any, I think you played maybe one or two games all season. Um, did that get? Did that give you some motivation? Um, I don't know if you even look at the power rankings, but how did you guys feel coming in? Did you expect to get to the final, or was that was that a bit of a a shock in, uh, to the system a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, we were, uh, I don't think we were too upset about it because you, you didn't say anything bad. Uh, you know, at least we are, we're not cave dwellers. Uh, but, um, <laughs> uh, we definitely had something to, to work towards. And, and you know, the, the whole year, it's, it's been kind of a, kind of a mess because with COVID and, 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 you know, different restrictions and different problems. We, uh, you know, we, we couldn't get a full team together for almost any game. Um, and we ended up going to Sheffield twice for different games, which was kind of, uh, you know, a bit exhausting for, for the guys. Um, so we, you know, we kind of wanted to prove that, you know, we still had it in us and, and that, uh, you know, once we got the chance to, to play together as a full team, excuse me, um, we could really, you know, put something together. Uh, and it took us a little bit. We, we had a, you know, a couple of, of hiccups along the way in the, the first state, but I think we really pulled it together for the second day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, 
on the first day, it was, I mean, your group on the first day, we had no eye towards the end of, you know, the middle of the first day before everything was settled by the end of it. We had no idea who was coming out of your group. At one point, Manchester looked strong coming out of your group. Um, and Sheffield looked like they were going nowhere. And then Sheffield ended up going through, I think, you know, and I think you you guys beat UCL, who had been pretty dominant against other teams. It was it was a very, very strange, uh, strange group, but it was fun as well. So um yeah, it was it, I think that was one of the things that was quite good with the short games. It it, it was the teams with a short bench could commit, uh, could compete a little bit more um, this year. Uh, I think UCL, if they'd been in 45-minute games, might have found themselves come unstuck a bit more um, against certain teams. But um, yeah, that was that was that was one of the things that you noticed. You guys were a little bit off, but um, it must have been good as well, though. In a way, as Imperial not coming along, um, you know, finally Gus Zimmerman gets to play Dragons and Sam Jackson, and then you've got Lockhill from. From Cardiff as well, was that how did those guys integrate quite well, quite quickly? Yeah, they they just came right in and 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 fit in pretty well. I mean, I I remember playing with Gus six years ago when I first started. I, I played with Gus a few times, and he was trying to get in with the Dragons, but uh, you know, the, I don't remember what the eligibility issues were back then. But uh, we've always wanted Gus on our team, and. Uh, you know, uh, local is just a, a character. I don't know. <laughs> he just, he kind of fits in wherever he goes. Um, and, uh, they were, you know, we've, we've played with them before, but never, you know, never officially. So when they said, you know, they didn't have a team and a place to go, I said, well, you know, you, you can fit in right with us. Um, and they, they've got a great, um, I mean, they're, obviously they're great on the ice. They, they definitely helped us out, um, and, and, and pulled a lot of weight, but, uh, they're really great in the locker room. Um, both uh, local and and Gus gave um, just fantastic uh, pregame speeches. Got everyone real hyped and and pumped up. And then, you know, when we were down, uh, they came in with a you know a lot of good you know motivational things to keep keep our heads up. Because uh, I I I thought I was gonna die. So when I get off the ice, I just say a bunch of random words that don't really make sense. And then somehow that makes it on Instagram and everyone gets a good laugh, but, uh, having, having Gus and local in there was, was, uh, a pretty solid, pretty solid, uh, opportunity, I think. And, um, and just, uh, the, the third of those names I mentioned, Sam, Sam Jackson, have you ever met anyone that punches above their weight? Or? No, that guy was, he was impressive. I, he, I don't remember which team it might've been UCL that, he just absolutely murdered someone uh, in the in the defensive zone, and and uh, he really played a, a, an impressive uh, an impressive game. Uh, and when I when I first saw the name, I thought it was a, a bit of a joke, um, but yeah, he um, he he played such a great game. And uh, it's funny because a few years ago, uh, we had some of the guys uh, from the Dragons playing for. Uh, UCL in the UCL Imperial Varsity and um, uh, Raphael Gerard absolutely decimated Sam Jackson and there's a video of it um, and uh, they seem to get along uh, along well enough but um, yeah the, it was it was great having him along on the, on the team as well um, and hopefully we can we can get him to play with us if, if he's still around next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and don't worry, we will uh, bring up in our 
wider pod and Rafael Gerard uh, decimating himself um, along the back barrier uh, during one of the games. Um, <laughs> he missed his check and fell over. It was uh, it was definitely a highlight of my weekend. Um, right, okay, well, um, obviously getting to the final, it must have been a little bit disappointed losing to, to St Andrews, but um, describe what it's like trying to hang with that team because I... I can only experience it from a coaching point of view, but as a player, what's it like trying to hang with that St. Andrews squad? Yeah, I, I, I thought it was going to be a, a lot more, a, a more intense game. Um, they seemed, I, I mean, when we played them before, they were, they were really on the ball, great, you know, great systems, uh, great uh, neutral zone defense. But when we played them in the finals, there was the, uh, something different. I don't know if it, we were just really in the zone or, or if they were kind of playing, maybe they had underestimated us, but um, I thought it was going to be a lot more of a, a, a difficult game. And we had a, a lot of opportunities, a ton of scoring opportunities. Um, and I, I, you know, I wish we, we could figure out what the, you know, possession percentage was. Cause I feel like we, we, uh, we had a, a, a good chunk of the uh, um, possession, but, we just kind of we, we, we kind of struggled to finish uh, a lot. Um, just kind of hitting hitting the net uh, is something that we uh, haven't quite figured out over like a, a decade at this point. But um, yeah, I mean they're definitely a good a, a good team. I think they, you know, them being seated first and uh, expected to win was was pretty spot on. But um, yeah, I think with a little bit more practice, we probably could have taken them. Fair play. Well, there's there's always next year, um, and uh, just just finally before we we give you get you to give any shout outs, uh, how does it feel to be named um, as the uh, the center of the the all the first line of the all star team this year? Uh, it's pretty exciting, I and mean, I don't think I I really deserve it. I barely survive these games. <laughs> I haven't really gotten out of bed for the last two days. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely an honor. Um, I think it'll be a lot of fun to to get in there and meet some of the other guys, and uh, you know, not run them over, and you know, be with them running over someone else. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's an honor. It'll be, I'm looking forward to it. Good, good. I I, I kind of see you as uh, sort of the male version of um, Daenerys Stormborn for the dragons. You know, the father of dragons in a way. So. Um, you know your leadership is is spotted from above. Uh, if if you don't feel that you you do much apart from, uh, you know, warble a bunch of incoherent nonsense, uh, we certainly you certainly lead by example on the ice with your your physical play and uh, that wrister is a beauty a beautiful thing to watch. So, um, I hope you'll be back next year anyway. Uh, it in in you you know in the same state as you're in now, <laughs> the very least. <laughs> Thanks for those comments. I mean, I hope I'll be in a better state, uh, <laughs> better state than this. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I hope I can stick around and, and, and keep going. There's quite a lot, lot that we want to do with the Dragons and I, I want to win uh, one of these years. Uh, so hopefully I can stick around until we win, at least. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, just lastly, what we like to do for everyone is just um, ask if you want to give a, a big shout out to anyone um but you know and then that way we can bully them into listening to the podcast um, and, and get our listener numbers up 
Yeah, I mean, oh, there's too many people to to shout out. I mean, all the guys on the team really, really pulled through. I mean, Sam Zidatny uh, helped me out through, you know, most of the most of the year this year, um, helping with a lot of the administrative stuff. Um, you know, Raf as well. Uh, he he still runs a lot of our um, social media stuff with uh, with Kale, um, who uh, you know it's a shame he's moved away, uh, and I have to. Um, pick up all of his spare gear this weekend, <laughs> which I've been putting off, but um, yeah, just, you know, shout out to those guys and uh, you know, our coach and alumni Clive, who's been helping out, helping us out with a ton of stuff. Um, all the guys on the team uh, this year, we've, we've got a really great, uh, really great team that we've put together and um, you know, on the ice, obviously they were really good, but off the ice there are uh, a lot of great guys. You know, we had a, uh, it, it was kind of sad on the way back on the train, but they kind of turned, they somehow turned it around and it was a lot of fun coming back on, on the train, despite our loss. Um, and I, I have to give a special shout out to the guys that, you know, they showed up and, and supported us, but didn't get a chance to really play all that much like Nick Fiaco and um, Julian and Victor and uh, Marius, who was injured, who didn't get a chance to get on the ice at all. Um, you know, they went all that way and, and supported us, um, you know, every step of the way. And uh, I just want to shout out to them for, for being there for us. Um, and also my mom and dad, they watched the whole thing, so. <laughs> <laughs> and they were very proud of your beard um, or my comments on your beard or something along those lines. Yeah, they, they, were a big, they were a big fan of the, the comments of the beard and uh, the comments on the, uh, on the jerseys. They really liked that. Um, but yeah, they, they thought it was, they, they really enjoyed the whole thing, uh, giving them the opportunity to watch, you know, watch me play hockey again. It's a, it's a, it made them pretty happy. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm going to, um, I know it feels like we could talk forever and no doubt we'll get you back on the pod, but, um, we've, uh, we've kind of overran our time slot a little bit for this one, but no, not to worry all good content. So, um, I'm just going to thank you very much for, for taking the time out to, to join us um, on the podcast. And uh, hopefully you'll listen out for this coming out with your, your other two line mates. I use that inverted commas because um, you might never play in the same line as them, but um, it, it will be out this week. So thank you very much. Great. Yeah, no, it was a pleasure. I'd be happy to come around anytime. Great stuff. So there you have it. That was Michael Dupree um, of the London Dragons. Um, finally getting a, a bit more venture, a bit more south with our interviews now, Nick. Um, is that is that something that you're you're pleased with? I was gonna say, when are you when are you crossing the channel? <laughs> um well I need to get Ro- Roman on. That'll be the closest I think we can we can maybe get the, the London Dragons goalie. But um yeah, London Dragons for me a little bit of a surprise package because I know they're normally strong, but didn't really know they've played many games this year and then getting to the final. Were you, were you impressed with them? I think I, I was impressed from the point of view that from speaking with the likes of Gus and, and some of the people that I know from uh, who were playing on that team, there was a lot of guys who were kind of thrown together last minute to kind of make a, what was a little bit more of a, a cohort team rather than kind of a, a just a pure London team. But I think we both know from our experiences of coaching cobbled together teams that's even more impressive to to throw that amount of talent together and get the results like 
they did a good job picking the lines. It was well balanced. Like I think that was probably the best thing about London was they they were just balanced across the board in terms of you, you'd look up and they'd be they'd be playing good hockey and it wouldn't matter which line was on the ice. They were coming at you with something slightly different, like some with a little bit more brute force than others, but. A good, just solid, solid team and um, a great bunch of guys as well. Like, I, I know our guys shared a dressing room with them for their, at least the second day. And um, I know that some people have problems with their uh, sharing of dressing rooms at Nationals, but we certainly didn't. And, uh, and London were a, were a credit for every single one of them. Yeah, excellent. Um, now, um, we'll, get to, we'll get to that last interview in a minute, but we have talked a lot about Tier 1, Nick. Is, is there anything that stood out for you in the other, the other weekends? Um I mean, the all-star teams are there um, to explain. I think we should probably explain our tier three non-checking all-star team that you and I were so impressed with all the goalies that we put them all in the all-star team. Um, but yeah, I mean, what 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 did you make of the other the other weekends? Well, I think the biggest thing that we just starting off with that explanation is that first weekend. I know both me and you touched on that we were so surprised with the level of goaltending across the board in both of those both of those two tournaments but then it just seemed each weekend to just get better and better like the second weekend we saw standout performances from the girls we saw it from tier one non-checking some obviously arguably goalies that might not necessarily have been there if there wasn't playoffs this weekend in terms of some some real real standout stud goalies but then again this last weekend like the theme is I'm guessing with the lack of ice and the lack of everything else, I'm guessing there's been a lot of goalies during lockdown chucking tennis balls against walls or something or doing whatever they need to do because the standard of goaltending was through the roof um, across the board. So I would say that's the biggest theme that I took away. Um, aside from just so many new faces and it's good to see that the pandemic's not necessarily caused um, that many teams to necessarily struggle with recruitment and bringing in new blood that hopefully again we're going to be talking about some of these names for the next couple of years to come yeah certainly and um you know not just new new faces in terms of players but i mean um it's disappointing obviously bradford coventry um and there's one other that is uh, in cardiff um are off the map at the moment hopefully one day those those cities will get clubs back bha clubs back but um there's three new clubs at nationals this year um we had the Stags, obviously, who three teams in their first ever Nationals appearance. Um, very impressive. Um, we had um, the Angels, obviously, the new women's team in the Northeast. And then um, the Southern Sirens from the, you know, that sort of picked up, um, I, I don't want to say the pieces, that's the wrong word, but pick, picked up players from Birmingham, from Cardiff, um, and from the London area to, uh, to make a fairly competitive Nationals team, considering... Again, some of them maybe didn't know each other quite so well before they turned up. Backed by great goaltending from from Ria Gezi Froud, and um, all turned up looking very sharp in their jerseys as well. It was it was nice to see as uh, as we were complaining about certain clubs not having two jerseys. These clubs turned up, and at least uh, well, the Stags had two jerseys, but you know the Angels and and Southern Sirens had at least given it some thought to to avoid having clashy jerseys as well. So. Um, yeah, it was. I thought it was absolutely fantastic to see. And, and how did you think, um, you know, using that sort of more um, composite style for for recruitment for women's teams? How do you think that works um, as a model to 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 move forward on? I think we've always had, and 
women's nationals as a concept over the last couple of years has, has been good. And we've always had those core teams who we know are going to be able to provide. We've obviously had yourselves in, in Caledonia doing, doing the great work in the, in, in the Scottish regions. We've then had the powerhouses of, Ox, uh, of Nottingham and Sheffield. You then get the established women's groups of Oxford and Cambridge. But they've always been supplemented by the need of, there is other BYCA females out there who have always been interested. And we've always had those kind of composite teams of drop-ins of players. And I'm, I'm not saying that I missed that by any means, but it was nice to see that, obviously, I know the Angels have, have picked up some of that void in the Northeast and picked up some of those girls that, obviously, have now got a home to play, which is a little bit more organised and a little bit more permanent than just these drop-in teams. And in the same way, yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that the Southern Sirens make a go of it down south as well. And it gives it gives somewhere for these players to play. I'm sure there's a lot of girls who would have looked at the likes of the, the Southern Sirens and said, oh, hey, actually, I'm a, I'm a London student. I, I might not have necessarily been involved or known this was going on, but how do I get involved in this next year? And I, I think we, we both appreciate the fact that there was, there was eight competitive teams there. There was no, there was no makeup teams. There was no, you're just here to make up the numbers in terms of we just, well, we got seven. We needed to do something like, hey, maybe if we have eight teams again next year, that's great. Who says we can't get ten? Yeah, uh, I, I think you, you think you've hit the nail on the head there. And I mean, who says that one day we don't have the women's plate and vase as well? Um, if things keep growing the way they were growing, because. Um, obviously it was eight teams and it went to quarterfinals and stuff and there wasn't really any massive blow-away victories anywhere where, you know, I mean, for the Steel Queens to have won nationals, um, I think the overall, our overall aggregate was sort of plus four or something like that, or something like that, plus five or whatever in goals over how many games? Six. So, you know, it's um, well plus six goals or whatever it was, but you know, because we had we had a tie, we had two, uh, three one goal games, one three nil game, and then penalty shootout at the end. So um, it, it certainly was, you know, showing that there's a, a good de- degree of parity in in um, in those tournaments, and there wasn't masses masses of blowouts over any of the weekends until maybe the tier one non checking where. You had maybe your Nottinghams who were maybe a bit, you know, a bit heavy for that division, um, who sort of, you know, were unleashing on teams. But um, yeah, it was good stuff. Um, Nick, I just uh, before we go on, uh, we'll go on to um, Jimmy in a minute because I know a lot of people have tuned in just to specifically listen to what Jimmy um, Lockerbie had to say. But um, I give you the Andrew Rafter goal was the best goal of all. all all of the Nationals tournaments, I think, in terms of a complete individual effort from goal. But I have to give props to the skill level um, of Jeff Hemlin of the Glasgow Stags to bring that puck down exactly shoulder height with his stick and then slap shot at top corner because that yeah. goal sent me into overdrive, um, I have to say. So um, big props to Jeff. He came up and got his photo taken with me um, afterwards as well. Um, so that was that was pretty pretty cool. Did you, did you give him an autograph? I did not. No, no. Um, I have to, to get you some sharpies ready for next year. <laughs> start start autographing people. Um, but.
but yeah, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll grab, we'll, we'll drop into Jimmy's uh, interview now. A, a Buffalo, uh, sorry, a Rochester boy, um, he's come over to the BIHA, and we can talk about what it, what impressed us with him after um, we hear what he has to say. So, um, welcome to the BIHA podcast, um, to everyone's favourite number ninety-two. Sorry, Nick, um, James Lockemar or Jimmy Lockemar, as I think he prefers to be called. How how you doing? Not bad, not bad. Thank you so much for uh, having me on. Very excited for this. Um, so, uh, Jimmy, you uh, you obviously played. I think that was, was that your first nationals this this past weekend. Yeah, this is my this is my first season with St Andrews Typhoons, and probably the last too because I'm a master's student post grad, so I'll be moving on most most likely. Well, as a, as an Edinburgh lad, I'm. I'm really pleased to hear that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you never know, though. You never, if you know Sammy Wallace, you, you never know when when us typhoons come back. So, well, that's, that's but for now. <laughs> um, so, um, what I was I was going to ask first and foremost is how did you how did you get into ice hockey? Um, I mean, just growing up, I'm from Rochester, New York, so. Um, it's, it's very close to Canada. So that's just the number one sport. So mom and dad got me into it at a very young age. I think I was maybe two or three when I first skated. Um, and, and yeah, I guess, I guess the rest has just played my entire life. It was my number one sport. Um, it took me a lot of places, including here. Yeah. Um, and uh, being, being from Rochester, were you a, a bit of an Americans fan growing up or? Uh, um yeah we we were more ranger fans in my household actually i think it was out of spite of the buffalo sabers we we didn't we didn't really like what the sabers were doing so <laughs> well i'm a sabers fan and i don't like what they're doing most of the time as well so yeah <laughs> yeah um so um Tell us a bit about, uh, you know, obviously you, you said you, you got into hockey quite young because of Ro- I know that Rochester and sort of that area of New York is really, it's really popular, but tell us a bit about your play before you came to St. Andrews, who you played for and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, so I guess my, I guess, adult kind of career started. I was, I was 18. I played my first year of junior hockey um, in a league called the NSHL which uh, a Rochester team was kind of just starting out and I was still in high school and my parents wanted me to start advancing um, into higher competition. So I did my first year of juniors in the NSHL. It folds halfway through my season and gets uh, taken in from the NA3, which is under the NHL. Um, and then second year of juniors, I went to uh, Hartford Junior Wolfpack in the EHL for two years. Um, after that, I committed to NCAA Division Three school, which was called Bernathan College, which was a small school uh, north of actually Philadelphia. Um, and that was a really good year, but uh, the school didn't really offer much academically. So I had to end up transferring, and that's how I ended up at university, um, which was Division One ACHA like club hockey. Um, and yeah, I played there for a couple of years, but um, as you guys know, with COVID and um, things like that, you, you don't get many games in these past few years. Uh, so I graduate UB 
and so now I'm here for for one post grad year, and uh, that's how I ended up on typhoons. Cool, cool. And um, how have you found the 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 difference between playing for the typhoons to to playing and all those other sort of programs you you had before? Yeah, I mean, I would compare it to like when I was at Buffalo ACHA club hockey kind of. Um, atmosphere I, I think it's the perfect amount of fun and seriousness um whereas when i was playing division three it's every game is just even every practice is just so cutthroat especially juniors um you really got to bring it every game which which playing here in the buiha you still have to bring it every game but as you know you know we, we like to have our fun and i think it's it's a great balance it really is Cool. And, um, and speaking speaking of fun, um, I uh, got the, the privilege, it's the first time I've done it in almost a decade, which makes me feel really old, but the privilege to be behind the bench for the uh, the Wookiee game this year for the Eagles. Uh, obviously, yeah. you guys handily disposed of us, but um, what did you think of the atmosphere <laughs> of the Wookiee game? Yeah, that, that was just an incredible atmosphere. Um, I think about half of our fans there have never seen an ice hockey game before, so that's that's so exciting that that a bunch of people see the sport for the first time and that's kind of their experience um i haven't really i haven't played in front of that many fans since i was since i was with Bernatha college and cwa d3 so and i don't think like anybody on that ice has played with that many fans in front of them so the atmosphere is just so much fun and yeah i'm so, sorry we had to do it to your eagles but <laughs> Um, as you know, from this weekend, we had a pretty good, pretty good team this year. So that was exciting. Yeah, um, I uh, thought I was being really smart picking your uh, your line in the, the BIG fantasy. And then it turned out that everyone had um, your line uh, and spotted your name probably in Bork and, and Rockland <laughs> and all the rest and just went, yeah, we'll have that. And so yeah. it really balanced <laughs> out and it depended on what you had in the other teams to... <laughs> right. We... <laughs> Every, everybody just had us, which is quite funny. Th thanks, everybody who played fantasy. That, that's that's good for my ego, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, um, you, you guys, uh, you came in, and this is, I think, uh, you've been from Buffalo or the Buffalo, Western New York area. I know you're from yeah. Manchester. Um, you might appreciate the, uh, the, the early 90s Buffalo Bills had this sort of problem that this was the Typhoons finally getting over the hump after been in the last three finals before that. Now, was that something yeah. that you were aware of being new um, or were you just coming in and this was all about business and, and doing the job? Uh, yeah, the, the boys definitely made me aware of that. And uh, it's quite interesting because the beginning of the season, we kind of set out this goal. We, we want to win nationals and everybody would talk about, what is it, was it three, is it three years in a row that, that they lost? Yeah, it was yeah. Hampton, Oxford, and then Sheffield, I think, was the order that... Yeah, so the later it got in the season, just the more serious it got. And you could tell, especially guys like like Connor um, and Hubert, and I think Sharman's been there for four years. It, it got very, very serious for a lot of those guys. Um, so, yeah, we, we couldn't do it four in a row like those Buffalo Bills, luckily um but yeah at, at first it was kind of just you know jokes in the pub but 
these these last couple of months we we really got down to business and we're like we can't like this is it this is it we have to do it <laughs> and um I, I don't know if you've watched any of the games back but you became a, a particularly popular character uh, <laughs> and certainly in the semi in the final um uh you, Jimmy L was coming up all over the place and, and there was one guy on Twitter who's actually pretty much abused us. Not really, but he's kind of, given <laughs> a bit of a telling off for not acknowledging the greatness of Jimmy L on, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. on Twitter yet. So uh, and were you aware of all the praise that was coming your way? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, those are just the boys back home, man. I don't know if you remember Ricky Mez, but... But that that's my dentist back home, actually. So just <laughs> just a whole lot, <laughs> just a whole lot of crazy. Uh, I mean, you, you know, Buffalo Bills fans. We're just very very passionate about sports. So it's just a whole bunch of the boys back home just getting at it. A little too bored on Sunday, I think, and they they tuned in, and there there was some entertainment, that's for sure. Yeah, cool, cool, and then. In terms of um, your, uh, uh, sorry, in terms of um, your overall style of play, how, how would you describe your style of play? Because the one thing that I think impressed me the most wasn't the, the hands, which were, you know, great, you've got great hands, great footwork, but it was, it was just the strength because you went head to head a couple of times along the boards with some pretty big guys and came out with a puck at the other end of it. Yeah, yeah, I think I, like I, I remember in the Oxford game, I think I think both of my goals were kind of like just just pushing off checks and then and then finding an open space. I wouldn't even necessarily call it strength, but it's kind of just more like I, I really as a small guy and especially playing juniors and stuff, you have some guys that just want to take your head off. So as a small guy, I would just learn to kind of like rub off checks. And if you don't rub off them, you're, you're going to lose the puck and you're probably going to be hurting a little bit. So it's kind of just how you position your body and you got to you got to really think about um, where I guess where the space is when somebody's coming at you. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you noticed that. <laughs> well, that's that. Well, that's also helpful for me coaching some of these uh, some of the smaller players that maybe that I, I have to deal yeah. with in the future as well. Yeah. So, thanks <laughs> we, for that. We, <laughs> We have to roll off them just to survive, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, um, I, I don't know if these names will mean anything to you, but you've, you've been selected to the, the first line of the, the team of the tournament, along with um, and forward uh, Jeff Fasiga and Michael Dupree as your other forwards. Um, we didn't want to make it too St Andrews heavy, but uh, I think it was fair spare. And we have, uh, obviously, we have um, Hubert and... Um, Bork, I was, I don't know how I could forget that, and Tristan Long as D. Yeah. So, um, yeah, how does it feel to be in that sort of company for uh, at the end of the weekend? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely honored by that. It's, 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 it's very, it's very, very special to be able to do something like this. Um, I mean, I've been, I've been playing hockey forever. I mean, I'm, I'm 25 years old. It, it's been a long road, and uh, it, it, it this weekend was one of my one of my best memories, and very happy to to be in in that company with those great players. I remember Jeff; he, he's a he's a great player. I think seventy seven on Oxford. Um, I remember we were we were trying to focus on him throughout the game, um, and then of course my, my teammates Hubert and Tristan are also great guys on and off the ice. Yeah, yeah. 
don't worry, Connor made it as well. He made the second one. So yeah, I can't. <laughs> I couldn't do yeah, anything Connor, without Connor. Connor right? So uh, um, he was. He's definitely there. And I was. I was explaining. I think at one point in the live stream that you know um, before Ben showed up, it used to be Connor went off, and you're like, oh. and yeah, it's Connor goes off, and then Ben comes on. So it's like you know, there's no, there's no, there's no rest. I think it's definitely one yeah. of the little stacked lineups that the, the BIH's seen in a long time. So. Yeah, those brothers, they're so fundamental to it. You can't get anything past them. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, thanks so much for your time tonight. As I say, I don't want to I don't want to maybe make this too long. We could always have a summer special and have you back on at some point. But um, is Absolutely. there anyone you want to give a big shout out to on the on the podcast? And then we can kind of twist our arm and make them listen to it so we get our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, mom and dad for and my family for all the support, but um i mean i really want to thank i mean you and especially i I noticed through ben uh being the president of the typhoons i mean you guys put so much work in and it's not like easy to to get hockey going in the uk the the infrastructure is much different than in north america and i think it's really awesome that you guys are able to put this this special league together under the circumstances that we're under over here in the uk and there still is like phenomenal talent over here. And I think the league has such great potential and I'm really honored to be a part of it for just this one year. So thank you and, and thank Ben, my president Typhoons because it's been one hell of a, one hell of a year. Yeah, Ben's been great to work with this year as well. So uh, if he is listening, yeah. thanks to Ben for, um, for always coming when he's not, he's not quite sure of things because it makes it easier if we can guide someone than rather they make a mistake and then we have to sort it from the laptop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, I really appreciate your time and uh, um, I'm, I'm disappointed you won't be back because you're a lot of fun to watch, but as from a purely yeah. standpoint, I'm kind of pleased. <laughs> <laughs> you never know though, but um, yeah, it's likely I move on. Um, but yeah I love this league I I hope to definitely stay in contact with everybody so so stay in contact I'd be very happy to come on again thanks very much cheers so you go um, that was Jimmy Lockemar there of the St Andrews Typhoons now I think rightly Nick um, whilst they were challenged at times and you don't just get given a tournament I think rightly the best team won nationals yeah yeah on on the whole yeah 100% like nothing against any of the other teams that were in that plate competition but St Andrews I just think I don't, I don't think they necessarily hit it because I don't think they necessarily had to but I, I, I still think they got another gear to find it's just I just don't think they'd had to find it during the year to actually have to use it if you know what I mean like it's scary to think that they won the tournament and I still think there's probably more to come from that team but again certainly from my point of view and your point of view that's probably the first that's probably the second generation of St. Andrews players that we've seen in terms of we, we were used to that same name, that same group who'd been around for that three or four years. And obviously there has been some retention, but obviously there's a lot of turnover and and that new group seemed to have a different way of doing things. Yeah, yeah. Um, as, I, as, I, as I mentioned, um, the one thing that really it, it, well, it impressed me about St. Andrews was, was their discipline. Um, and that's not like a sort of condescending way of saying anything about any of the players of the past, but 
they were people were trying to rile them up. People were trying to hit them hard, and they just went about their business and kept playing hockey, and ultimately won. And I think there was this kind of quiet terminator like confidence in terms of like there's no panic. We we'll we'll get you in the end. Kind of we we're confident in what we are and what we can do. We're not going to worry about any of the shenanigans that you're going to bring to the table. We're just going to all business. Yeah. Yeah, I think the game that probably would have spooked them the most was the set the semi final against Oxford, where they were completely all over Oxford, and 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 that I guess that's why the Oxford goalie finds himself as the number one goalie of of the weekend and yeah. possibly of all three weekends, um, in the sense that thirty four shots to to four, um, and the St Andrews goalie doesn't face a shot. He had hardly faced any shots all weekend because their defence was so good. And then Middlebrook from from Oxford gets one chance, and I think that must have spooked them because to to give up a goal, one goal and one shot, and and Scott Brown's not a bad goalie, um, and this isn't an insult to him, but he was cold, he stood there, and I think you know if if anyone was going to beat them, it was going to be Oxford after that, um, but they just stuck at their task, and uh, and Lockemar, um, and one of the reasons he is in the the All Star first line just showed what class player he is. I mean, he rolled off a check um, from uh, Fasega, the, the guy we've talked about has been strong. Um, he, he managed to roll a check from him and then score top corner. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, and they, they were stacked like that. That was, you know, it used to be they had Connor, Connor Rock on with, uh, I think it was like Hauger and, and McCarthy. And when they went off, you were like, right, maybe we could get some joy now. But now, they go off, Connor Rockon's line goes off, and you've got baby brother Rockon um, that comes on with his line. So they're not exactly uh, got any any real weaknesses. I think is is the, compared to some some teams that always have a distinct weakness that you can maybe spot. I think um, they were they were just a more well rounded unit in terms of they they might not have had that elite elite spark like we've seen. We've seen Chase do some ridiculous things before, some game-breaking things, but they might not have had that kind of game-breaking spark, but I think across the board, they were just a better, well-rounded, solid, just relentless team. Like, as you said, whichever line came over the boards next, it was a case of same old, same old, like, it's going to be camped in the other team's zone, and it's just how how long is it going to take us to break you down? Yeah, yeah. And um, what quite it was quite cool as well. We got along some heroes, and like I think before the tournament, I, I know who, I knew who Jimmy Lockemar was. Eagles have played them twice, and you could tell he was a, he was a tough player to play against. And I know we know who Hubert Borg was, um, and Connor Rockon. But actually, one of the big unsung heroes and the guy who ended up scoring the penalty shot, I think that that won it perhaps, Tristan Long. Um, so it just shows you just the quality when. That was a guy I wasn't really aware of. I wasn't, you know, necessarily um, someone on my radar. And then he comes in and then essentially wins a game, wins a final for them. Um, not single-handedly, obviously, but, you know, that that's how it is. So, um, yeah, um, fair play to St Andrews. And you can tell you can tell that they must have really impressed because I'm not saying any of this through gritted teeth. I'm just uh, I'm just being honest. I think they... No, I'm guessing this is just an audio cast rather than a... A video cast and, and Rambo is actually smiling. There's no kind of, there is really no gritted teeth, which is rare. I'll tell you that. It's it's very rare to find me 
and smiling about something good St Andrews have done. So, um, yeah. And so, Nick, I don't know if there's any other moments we want to talk about right now. Obviously, the All-Star teams are out. Um, there'll be people that'll be sad that they've missed out. Um, there'll be people that are surprised they're in. Um, I know that actually Michael Dupree said to me when I when I said to him that the reason we were interviewing him was he's one of the, the first-line All-Stars. He said, why me? Um, and um, it was just basically because of his the way he played. I thought, you know, it's not just about goals and stuff, you know, just being clutch and um, anyone who has to carry Sam Sedatney, who I know played for the Eagles, um, it, it, to, to me must be a good player. So um, I, can't, I joke, but, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's one of those things. Now, one of the things, and I know this is maybe comes across as a bit selfish, um, Nick, but I'd, I'd do this if it was a, if it was a different player as well. But um, one person that I think we, we're both going to be sad to see the back of um, playing his last ever Nationals game um, in the final of the Vaz was uh, Bert Ricchetti. Um I mean, I'm sure some teams won't be won't be too disappointed to see the back of him. But um, we both ended up giving him our pucks. Uh, that we were we were given to give to a player, or we took we took to give to a player. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we had a bit of a conversation the weekend before. I, I would say he's definitely one of the best goalies that ever played in the BHA. But um, you you maybe had a different view on that. So, um, what's your thoughts on Berkey? Just so we can kind of cross that off. Um, it would have been nice if uh, he could have maybe let us win one. To, to finish off but hey I was the first person to after that final in my mind the first person after shaking your hand and uh, and Jamie's hand on the bench the first person I did want to speak to was Burke in terms of like the biggest thing from my point of view is we, we see these elite superstars and these okay to use an American term franchise players come along and they they might be here for a year. You might get two out of them, but they're a flash in the pan and they're good memories. And Hey, we talk about the King of Sweden. We talk about these other things and we've had some great goalies over the years, but like Burke's an institution by himself in terms of like, I'm, I'm going to say this out loud and I'm whether or not you agree Rambo, I'm not really too bothered, but kind of in my memory of BYJ hockey, when I think of Edinburgh after yourself, Burke's the next guy like he's the one who he's be, been players right before um he's done however many god knows how many years of service it is like kind enough to let me score past him at least once I believe so that's already a testament to the kind of character of the guy but like I'm sure again like for all the people out there listening whether or not you're involved in hockey you're involved in coaching like well if you're not what you're doing listening to this you've definitely got lost um <laughs> you're involved in you're involved in coaching like the biggest worry from year to year as a coach and correct me if I'm wrong Rambo you can even just nod just to affirm this but you worry about who's going to be in goals like it's the it's the most important position by far you have to try not to let the goalie know that in terms of they get a little bit too in their own head sometimes but what an absolute delight it must have been to be associated with Edinburgh over the last God knows how many years, knowing that, well, goal sorted. And yeah. I know you've had some capable assistants coming along and capable tandems with Burke, but knowing that you've got that guy, that 1A guy, that game breaker, how many times have we seen him do some ridiculous stuff? Even in 
you must have obviously seen a lot more than I've done, but just ridiculous stuff that are just in games that don't necessarily even matter. I can remember him sliding across and doing the splits in games at Whitley Bay and doing doing all kind of ridiculous kind of stuff, which like an institution again. I said to him when he came off the ice and and uh, and I like uh, it was when we were doing the handshakes after the game. We were trying to get off the ice, weren't we? And I said to him, I was like. Aside from <clears throat> aside from committee, where I'm guessing some of us might make it, I was like, if you were doing a BYJ actual players Mount Rushmore, I'd struggle to see an argument where Bert Ricchetti's not on it. That's that's pretty high praise indeed. And uh, as I say, I know that might seem to some people a little bit self indulgent because it is an Eagles player, but I think just to have played since 2009, um, and and put all that time in. I know Tunger, uh, Chris Tung has played maybe a year lo- longer, but he was in and out the Beagles and stuff as well. Um, I think just because, you, as you say, goalie is such an important position, I think by far, um, we talked about this before, the more I think about it, it is the most important position, I think, in team sports. Um, I know people will argue quarterback's more important, but if you... It's the only position in team sports where you face that much... Um, that many shots and you have to do so many things on your own and you're in the whole game. I mean, um, and for him to do what he's done over the years, he's silenced crowds in Dundee, um, not necessarily in the Wookiee game, but um, he's, we played the Scottish Cup and he made one of the most incredible saves I've ever seen and that wasn't even live streamed. Um, he's come in with, I think, three nationals in a row and had shutout streaks that have lasted over three hours. Um, or over two two and a half hours or whatever it may be. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think we can really argue about um, about how good he is and how how tenured he is, essentially, in this game. Um, but to move on to something so we don't completely just do the Edinburgh things, I think there is one more thing that I really, really wanted to bring up tonight, Nick, and it's about someone else who's well-tenured in the BHA um, and became a bit of a punchline, I would say, um, in 2017, uh, Max Springer. Um, I think we have to bring him up. I know it seems like, well, what are we celebrating? This guy's got like one goal and, and however many nationals. But um, Max Springer became a total punchline in 2017, Nick. And, you, and you'll you'll agree. Sometimes we can uh, we can joke pretty hard. Um, he, he got a video made about him and all the rest of it, and. Uh, I'd like to just say, well done to Max for finally scoring. I mean, scoring on a shot that was going wide and then deflected in is kind of ironic in a way. Um, but Nick, uh, yeah, just for all the ribbons he took and how well he took that, do you not think that was quite quite a nice moment? Unfortunately, you and I missed it. But um, yeah, what did, what did you make of Max scoring his first goal? The, the redemption story is just bananas in terms of how how that comes around. like we've seen people do these things before and like, let's face it, a big deal was made of Max. And like, that was just the nature of the beast in terms of what he was, the hand that he was dealt. He didn't make a big deal of it himself, but he's always been such a good sport about it. Like we, we both know, and we've both seen moments with players that we know and we've coached against or played for and seen them do stupid things. And it gets lost in the wash, but like Max has had to wear that for years. Like I can remember, must have been two years later or something like playing in goals for our B team in a game in Altrincham and and like I remember we were losing 7-0 and Max scores the eighth goal like literally a tap in off his shin pads on the back door and 
he skates past me and goes, still not at Nationals though, is it? Still not at Nationals. Like, what a character. And yeah, Redemption, I wouldn't have had it. I'm sure, I'm sure he wouldn't have had it any other way either in terms of a shot that was going well, well wide. Like, oh, Jesus. But what a story. Now, all I'm going to say is we, we seem to, I'm hoping it's not going to be one of these, uh, these films where you have the first film, you, you have a couple of average films in between, and then you, you finish off the story with something good. If we are going to have a, another film next year, well, he's going to do something pretty special to, uh, to top his redemption story. So I'm excited yeah. to see it. And, um, and from one redemption story to another, um, we had a good chat with him on the live stream. You can go and look that up. I can't remember when it is. I'll timestamp it at some point. But um, Adam Carrot as well, who started his first ever, the first ever live stream that had commentary, Nick, uh, was Adam Carrot's, uh, Adam Carrot's finger uh, that, that heard around the world uh, incident where he, uh, another player got penalised and Carrot, being carrot, and he was he's quite angry with the player. I understand why, because it was quite a quite a dirty little play. Um, sticks a finger up at the player, not realizing that that's an automatic match penalty called by <laughs> Lord Miller. Um, finds his way in the ref game, and I would we and you talked about this definitely um, a competent um, and fair referee that can manage a game really well. Um, but then tier one non-checking nationals as well, where all the redemption stories seem to come full circle. Carrot not only puts his team into the finals on a penalty shot, but then scores um, the third goal that really iced Nottingham in that game. Um, and uh, that might have been one of my favourite calls of all time, that one, uh, the Do You Believe in Miracles call, because it was just, <laughs> no one expected Sheffield to win that game. It was, that that final was unreal. Um, I mean, Nottingham realistically should have should have hammered them. Put it, put, it, put, it, put it this way, Rambo. You know that for those first two weekends, I missed the finals and, that, and had to obviously leave for, for the different reasons. When we were driving back up that middle weekend, the first weekend, I can remember driving back up and asked Beth, like, oh, who won the final, blah, blah, blah. And it was, oh, all right, fair enough. We were driving up and I'd, I'd looked at the time and I'd not even thought to ask Beth because I was like, just a foregone conclusion, this Nottingham juggernaut is going to roll through the bears and all the rest of it. And then... I just remember casually asking Beth, it must have been like pretty much you would have been well back in the hotel by then. And I was like, who won? And she was, oh, Sheffield. And I was like, no, no, you're just like looking at a group game or something. She was like, no, no, final, Sheffield won. And then obviously finding out the next weekend about obviously about that and then Carrot scoring, like, yeah, what a, I, I, I will say this right now and, and I'm apologising for all the other officials that have been there this week, these these couple of weeks. Apart from Mel Lydell, my, my heart is always there with Mel. Don't get me started with Mel. <laughs> my heart is always there with Mel, Rambo. Mel is number one. No one will ever beat Mel. But I tell you something, Adam Carrot showed me a side this weekend with his officiating that he's um, he's got some carrots on him. We saw him make the big calls and he wasn't afraid to do it. And hey, I tell you something, it's something that we've debated long, long times, on air, off air, whatever it might be. All you ask from a referee is someone that's going to be consistent and just willing to willing to willing to call the game and call the game that they see. And again, Carrot this weekend proved that with his referee and that he's he's willing to no matter what he'll he'll call the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, right, Nick. Well, 
I don't think if we keep going, we're going to end up with like a three-hour podcast, which I'm sure no one, no one will want. Um, but um, we've got three great interviews, and we like to. I'd like to thank again Jimmy, uh, Jeff, and um, Michael um, for for their time. Um, Nick, I'd like to thank you for your time because I know you're you're a busy chap um, getting back into work and stuff. Um, but um, yeah, I'd also like to thank everyone for listening. Everyone that helped us over the, the two weekends. Um, and uh, no doubt we'll we'll get some of you on during the during the week. I'd like to get Luke Watson on actually, just to I feel like his efforts in the final weekend really. Oh, he was us. he was he was a great sport on and off the ice. I think he's someone who definitely um proved his worth in these uh, in that last weekend. Yeah, yeah. So I think maybe 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 we need to get uh, Springer on as a as a as a guest for the entire entire episode, and we we'll, we can talk through the redemption. Yeah, find out who's gonna find out who's gonna play him in the film. Uh, yeah, that'd be quite good. We could cast people for the film, um, yeah. and uh, we could we could certainly uh, we could certainly do that. So we'll hopefully, who, who's, go, who's going to play Miller? Who's going to play Miller? Uh, well, I don't know. That's that's something we need to think out. Who played Lord Voldemort? That's <laughs> Ralph, Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, Ralph Fiennes is going to like basically put his Lord Voldemort thing on with a nose, and then he'll be uh, he'll be Miller. Um, but no, it's uh, it, it, there's a lot of fun comes out of nationals. Um, big shout outs to all the teams that took part. Um, some excellent stuff, some craziness, um, and uh, a little bit, a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, spice that went along with it. But um, I had a crack in three weekends. Um, I couldn't have really asked for any more, um, uh, other than a penalty shot against St Andrews. But we'll not talk about that. Um, but you know, uh, I think I think we've said it all, Nick. I think that's that's the short, the long and the short of it. And uh, we go into the off season looking forward to the rest. Yeah, you know what, Rambo? After the couple of years we've had and everything that we've missed out on, uh, don't get me wrong. I don't want to do it again next weekend, but I'm kind of looking forward to doing it all again. Yeah, me too. And hopefully next year we'll be back with IES as well. Um, for everyone, the international all stars teams. Um, I know some of you are disappointed, uh, but nationals was a priority this year. We hope to bring back all the all the different bits and pieces that we had before. Um, so bear with us. Thanks for being patient with us uh, when you got the wrong goals and the wrong stats, um, or when I said your name wrong for the entire weekend and your parents were sat at home wondering who I was talking about. Um, but thank you to everyone involved um, for for sticking by us and uh, and coming up and helping when you could and and all the rest of it. So um, Nick and Les, is there any more you want to want to say tonight, or are we going to save that for maybe some summer stuff? You know what? Let's 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 think ahead, and we can we can do some summer stuff and uh, do some more lighthearted fun ahead of uh, ahead of the next season. But again, as Rambo said, thank you to everybody who was involved. A big shout out, and I know you kind of covered it there, but. We, as much as anything else, me and Rambo get to talk some gibberish, like occasionally rope Rambo into doing some dodgy camera work. Yeah, I don't get the camera into the corner. We all know, blah, blah, blah. Um, Yeah, but it's not possible without the Robs, the Daves, the Joes, the Andys of this world and their plus ones and their understanding families. Like it takes a lot, guys. And and all I would say is, is if you are interested, please do make yourselves known because... We're always on the lookout for help. Yeah, and uh, and a big shout finally um, to Joseph Miller, the NAP star or 
the uh, <laughs> the one who created the most hilarity of all the weekends um, for his uh, Code Brown Code Brown uh, situation that came up. Um, but um, I think all that's left to be said is uh, that's a goodbye for me, and it's a goodbye for me. <laughs>